Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Ambitious Filmmaker Podcast. Today in the studio we have Josh Emrick, a filmmaking entrepreneur with a background in being a director of photography as well as producing. With Josh, we go over the importance of building the business side of your passions, why efficient administrative systems allow you to be more creative, and why balance is one of the keys to greater success. Welcome to the Ambitious Filmmaker Podcast. Address two things real fast. Yeah, go for it. You'll notice at some point that Caleb and I are wearing the same shirt, and we'll just clear the air right now that we did not mean to do that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Wow, you know, you know, Eric, I would never even have thought about that, but uh, glad that we're on the same page, though. Want him to, like, and I'm him. wearing a Krispy Kreme hat, too. I totally unplanned. Deep thought and then like notice it and it'll just throw them off. But yeah, we don't want that. that. Well, needless well, to say, Josh, if you have any Krispy Kreme swag, you just want to throw on, you know, like that's completely <laughs> cool. Wait, we'll give you five, a type five. I don't, but you guys are all so in sync. So, you know, I'm impressed. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Filmmaker Podcast. We are continuing along with our Pandemic Pivot series. And today in the studio, we have a producer with a background and director of photography, Josh Emmerich. Josh, great to have you in the studio today. Thanks for having me. Let's get your story, Josh. Yeah, um, I'll give you kind of the cliff notes here. But I think with many people, you start wearing a lot of different hats. I was really into like kind of skateboarding and, you know, just trying to put music to that. And I started as an editor through time, you know, that translated more into like narrative and you know, like skits and things like that, and eventually to camera. So as that kind of progressed, and I realized that it was more of a dream, uh, I switched over to engineering and schooling and hated that for about three years and decided, okay, I want to do something with filmmaking, but let me put on a business hat a little bit and check out some avenues that could make some money. Uh, I have a background in music, not necessarily playing, but just attending a lot of different concerts so music videos are where I really got my root in everything. It started there just with a love of music and the community of people, just seeing the passion of musicians. And for me, I thought, what's the problem I can solve deeper than a music video? Uh, and it was more so marketing, you know, looking at like not just producing a project, but like producing a lot of ammunition for smaller artists rather than going after the big ones. So kind of mimicking models and paying attention to the way the industry shifted. And over time, uh, I've developed different brands and like wedding filmmaking and photography, as well as like commercial work. And while that sounds like a hodgepodge of different things, and a lot of people tell you to niche down, what I found is that my niche is not in the type of work that I do, but the way I pursue work, which is very relationship focused uh, with my client, with my team, and just trying to build you know, a good experience for everyone involved. That's really kind of the gist of who I am and what makes me me. Yeah, you know, you said something really good in there that I think a lot of people kind of put on the back burner and that's like the business side of your passion. You know, you were saying like, okay, like you have this dream. All right, now how can we convert this into reality? How can we build this side of things? And, and I think that being relationship focused, was this something that you had kind of had to like to learn the hard way or has relationship focus been there from the beginning? I guess I didn't look at it so smart of like, I'm going to build a business. I think I just looked at it as like, how can I make filmmaking, do filmmaking oriented creative things and make a little bit of money? And in those early years, I remember like me and my business partner literally 
putting on like whiteboards, like not even dollar amounts, but just like free projects, check marks versus paid projects. And I remember it getting to a point of like, oh my God, we actually have more paid projects than free ones. And you know, like that's not to be silly. Like I don't think it's a great thing to do free work, but if you're going to do free work, you got to understand why. Creatives tend to hurt themselves by thinking they have to do everything they can to like just build something and they end up serving everyone else's needs other than themselves or it goes the other way where they're only serving their needs and they're not serving their clients needs and i think there's a balance of like hey i need to hold some authority here and this needs to you know i need to be passionate about to do good work for you but also like we kind of got to serve each other to make it a win-win for both parties so in building the business i don't think really i was conscious that i was an entrepreneur or business person until like 2017 when I was like, Oh, I really got to put on this business hat. And I've been doing this like seriously since 2011. So it really took a long time for me to even realize that I was actually building a business. And in 2017, a handful of things happened. We kind of hit like the quality of work that I believed. I worked from a place of, I wasn't really accepted in the filmmaking community or as a creative. Like I didn't have a lot of money. I don't have a big friend network. Like I tend to really hammer down on a small group of people. And those are my people. I invest a lot of time and energy into that rather than like, let me plant my seeds to like a thousand people. It's like five people really matter a lot to me. And I'm going to invest my conversations, my energy, because I know they're going to reciprocate that and give me more energy back. 2017, you know, we were focused on the place of like, I'm going to prove everyone wrong that doesn't think that I can make a great business. And we produced this great demo reel that releases in 2018. And I'm like, I kind of have an identity crisis of, oh my God, like I've now hit the level of what I believed I needed to do great work. And it's not really any different. And now suddenly I'm not at a place of like, I'm going to prove people wrong because I'm like, okay, I've kind of done that. You know, the quality standpoint is here, but I'm like, what is it that I'm actually passionate about? And it took a lot of reflection of like, what have I loved over the years? And it's like all the experiences, like with our clients, with our team, the memories that we've made, like all those things are what's honestly been the most valuable and important piece for me. And now it's understanding who I am in any step that we take forward, any business we build. It's like, how am I going to make the best experience for myself, for my team, for my client, for talent, and to make a better filmmaking community? The know your why. And I think all of us have been there at some point where you like you achieve and then you find out that like you would actually set this arbitrary goal and then you get there and it's like, oh, why don't I feel any different? Knowing yourself and being in tune with yourself has been one of the biggest benefits, but it's been the hardest thing to just reflect on like, who am I and how do I like not only align with the right clients, align with the right team, not just on like, you know, I can buy the best gear or I could hire the best team. But if we don't work together smoothly, we don't have that relationship or that foundation, then nothing actually moves forward the right way. It hurts your client's experience, which is a, a big deal for me. But it also creates this defense that clients get on. You know, when everyone looks at like, if the budget was bigger, then things would be better. Well, the reality is, have I prepped people? Have I earned the trust? Have I've done enough things to make it so that there's just as little friction as possible. How can I create as much trust? How can I reduce that friction so that we can make a really great project together that we're all happy with at the end of the day? Yeah, man. I think I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Like very few of us go into video or music or creativity with a very clear idea that, hey, we're gonna build a business out of this. Or even like all like already thinking about the client first type, you know, like 
like a lot of it starts as, yeah, we're, I'm, people are going to come to me. People are going to like my portfolio and hire me. And yeah, exactly. And then you're like, oh man, I'm getting more clients. I'm getting more work. And you kind of, it's just so easy to get wrapped up into, oh, now I've got to run this business now. Like nobody told me I got to deal with clients that are disrespectful or you're like, nobody told me that I've got to like be the leader, you know, and, mm-hmm. and lead the client and lead the team and make sure everybody's happy. Like it can certainly be overwhelming, but once you do learn all of that, at least in my experience, like that is what matters. It's not the gear. Mm-hmm. It's not even necessarily the end product at the end of the day. It's the, the experience. Oh yeah. You can make the most bomb, you know, great video ever. And if you give that client a terrible experience, that's going to totally determine how they view that product. So where do you think, Josh, your drive or your desire to grow in, I I would say business sense. There are a lot of filmmakers out there who are really talented in what they do. And I know personally, they've just decided, I don't want to do the business stuff. I'm okay just being a DP and freelancing. And that's what I'm great at. You've kind of chosen, I think, a unique path. It's, It's not often that you find people like yourself who really care about client experience, who really care about groups of people, you know, who are emotionally intelligent, who are there to serve, you know, the project and the team as a whole. I think I put on the producer hat a lot more often because when I do that part really well, it allows me to be a really great DP. Ultimately, I love holding the camera. I love shaping the light. And that's what lights me up the most. And I know it's also what gets everyone excited. I think the experience piece has been our uniqueness because a mentor of mine said, you know, you can look at yourself. And if we take a step and we we remove ourselves and we look at ourselves and are we the villain or the hero right now in business? And guess what? We're always a villain and a hero at different times. You're never always going to be the hero. Sometimes you're going to be the villain. But you got to ask yourself, what am I doing right now? to be the villain. What am I doing right now to be the hero? And I think every single time we have a win in business, you know, it's not actually growing us forward. Every time we have a fail in business, it's an opportunity to really look at that as a lesson to learn something new. And even in the win, where I think a lot of people make mistakes is they have a win, but they don't even take the time to consider what made this a win? What did I uniquely do well? And in business, there's so many facets. You can look at you know, pre-production. You can look at camera prep. You can look at your documents. You can look at how you invoice people. On production, you can look at the tools that you're using and refine those and change those. You can look at how you do things in creative. There are endless ways in business. I think it's overwhelming at times when you're like, where do I even begin? What I know about myself is I tend to live in systems. And when I can really refine a system to do really well, to create efficiency, it opens up more creativity on set. Now, the tricky part is, is just getting started. You know, the first time you make a call sheet and you have no idea what you're doing, it takes you four hours to make a simple one-page call sheet. You know, today I've done that for seven years. So it's like easy for me to look back and be like, seven years ago, me was terrible at making a call sheet. And even asking myself, what does a call sheet do? I think a lot of people are like, oh, this is a checklist item that I need to do. But when you look at what does a, what does a call sheet do? A simple call sheet, you know, just creates alignment with your team, with your talent, with your, with your crew, with yourself. It allows me to pre-visualize even like, what's the schedule of the day? What's the shot list? And it helps reduce a lot of stress so that I am the best me possible. So when I put on that producer hat, You know, like I'm thinking as an editor of like, what scenes do I need for this music video, for this wedding, for this commercial film to come together the right way? 
And when you start to play that game of experience, then you're not bidding against, you know, say you're working with some commercial brand, they already have a video or photo team. Well, they're usually hiring multiple people to do things. So it's not for me to look at like, how can I produce a higher quality project? And you look at it on a very broad scale of like, 4K resolution or a type of lighting or a type of audio, but to look at the quality of the experience. That's really what dictates of like, hey, if I can like really break down a schedule to where like the marketing team doesn't even have to worry about anything and they're just there seeing things execute, I'm building more trust every single time. And that's just from the client side. Every time I hire a team, I understand that I don't usually attract the biggest budgets, but I always tell my team that I am an open book with you. And if I can help level you up, if I can help create new opportunities for you, I want you to ask me questions. I'll be an open book for you. And I also want to prep our projects to where the maximum creativity can be there. Like I have a lighting guy who works on decent sets and he gets paid two, three times more when he works for other people. But he constantly says to me, I love working with you because you almost set a a level of rules on the project that allows me to kind of feel empowered. Whereas when he's on other sets, he feels like there's this clear level of hierarchy of like, here's these people on this high level who don't even talk to the people on the low level. For me, information is powerful in the sense that I can empower my team to do the best job. I can hold my client accountable to schedule of like, this is what I need from you to come here, to be on time so that we can get everything done. And that to me is kind of controlling everything and holding the authority, but in a way that creates creativity versus like, I'm the boss. So it really sounds like you enjoy using open lines of communication to empower your team and empower your clients. And Mm -hmm. on the front end, it almost seems counterintuitive, but on the back end, it eliminates all or a lot of that hierarchy of what I'm going to label as, as as passive, I'm better than you, or he's better than her, or vice versa. It kind of breaks mm-hmm. down those fake, you know, quasi-value walls, so to speak, on set. 100%. With all this experience that you've been gaining over the last, I'd say, like 10 years, right? We are obviously in the middle of a big economic shift with the coronavirus. How have you seen a change in the industry, you know, specific to you and your teams and your clients? Um, You know, what's that been like for you so far? Personally, it's been just a wave of emotions. If I'm, you know, let's be honest, like it's not easy for anyone. I think the biggest takeaway for me has been to embrace that I'm human, that I have emotions and that I got to take this one day at a time. And anything that I say, you know, like I like to think that I can give all the advice in the world, but if it's not right for you, then you don't have to take it. Someone could hear what I'm saying. And like, what I would worry is that they would be like, I have to do what this guy says to do this, to to feel a certain way or to validate myself. And advice is great, but it's, you know, it's personal. It's like, if you hear one thing out of 10 things, someone says that you can adapt, that's what you should adapt. In this situation, my job role changed. I'm non-essential. A lot of things closed. Budgets are going to be guarded. And to be totally honest, 2020 was like a year for myself and Ross. You know, we do the wedding side, the music video side, but we're also getting back into narrative work. That's something I really wanted to get back into. And we had a lot of big plans and goals. And every year we've had a really big challenge, whether that be, you know, a robbery or learning new sales or just like trying to refine our process. No year has ever been easy for us. And 2020 almost felt like just cake. It was like everything was lining up so smoothly. So it's almost like I'm like, I'm happy that this happened because what I know is every time something really challenging comes our way, it forces me to be more intuitive, like innovative with our problem solving. And 
as creators, we're problem solvers. I think we thrive the most when we're not just doing the same thing over and over and over, but we're kind of challenged to be like, well, I, I, I got to improve here. You know, there's no other choice. So to me, I think it's an innovative time. I've seen a lot of friends posting a lot of creative content, trying to help other businesses. And it's been inspiring. Now, from a personal standpoint, I love teaching. And something that I've been putting off for a long time is, is just getting on YouTube and doing some vlogs, breaking down projects. And not just breaking down projects from lighting or camera. But to me, I think the mindset around approaching things is really important. And I've wanted to write more and get things on YouTube a lot more and put my educator hat on, try that out more. And this whole slowdown forced me to be like, I have all the time now. And I honestly haven't felt this creatively alive since like 2013. So to me, there's been challenges and it's still scary. And, you know, I've had to readjust in a lot of different ways, but it's very been very creatively satisfying. And I, I think that it'll build a better version of me. You know, like this is like the cocoon that we're in. And for me, it's like, you don't always have to be productive, but I do want to come out more beautiful on the other side of this. Being a father, being a husband, I spend a lot more time with my son because I'm watching him now. And like, we've been go, go, go. So like, that's been an awesome side effect to this. Me and my wife, like we're always in go, go, go. And like, not only in business, not only as a person, like there's this room to grow, but like, in the last couple of years, I've been very honest with my wife of like, we've been kind of complacent in our marriage. How do we grow that? How do we connect more? How do we not take each other for granted? So, you know, not just as a creator, like look at everything in whole in life, things that contribute to happiness. I think that's really important. Man, I think you just touched on something that a lot of filmmakers, at least I know myself, constantly struggle with on a daily basis is that how do you balance your entrepreneurial dreams with your uh, with your personal life. I found at least in my business, like similar to yours, you know, I won't go into the whole story of it on this podcast, but like just hitting that point of like, what am I chasing after? Why am I doing this? Why am I spending so much time away when I do love my family? I want to spend more time with them. And like, how do I prioritize that? I found over the last three or four years that like, man, people don't they either don't want to talk about that or they shy away from it or they're just so go, go, go in their business that they're like, family life will just work itself out. And it doesn't. What kind of advice would you tell? I know there's a lot of filmmakers out there with young families or they're you know looking to start a young family. And what kind of advice would you give them as far as how do you balance that between being ambitious, being driven, being a self-starter, but also holding that personal time or family time closely? We're blessed to be creators. And it's a blessing and a curse. The thing is, is if we want to make something, we can literally go make it. You know, like you guys decide, I'm going to make a podcast. I'm, and, and you have a mission to it. So it's like, oh, I'm going to impact people's lives. Well, let's go make that. Uh, the problem with that is, is we get so focused on the things that we're creating and we don't necessarily think about why we're creating them all the time. You know, like in your guys' situations, like to impact other people, but what are the deeper layers of what that can be? Like for me, why am I in business? It's not to make pretty pictures. It is honestly to be able to sustain my family. It's to make a career in this mm -hmm. and to be able to have time with my family. Now, I, I, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the book Profit First, but you know there's, a, there's an ideology in there of like, one day as a business owner, I will reinvest in my company. And the idea is like, let's start reinvesting now. It's not about just taking the profit first, but it's about being like, right now, I need to start making good habits and routines to build a healthy business so that when we get to bigger budgets, bigger revenues, 
all you're doing is you're amplifying the problems that you have on a smaller level. Mm -hmm. So on the family level, like if I say that I care about my family and they're a priority of mine, where do I actually rank them? If I'm putting the business before them, then the business actually matters more. And I'm taking my family for granted. Don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect. You know, but one thing is just being really intentional with my time. Like for the longest time, my wife would tell me like, you're always on your phone. And I had this ideology. I need to be 24 seven. If someone messaged me, I need to get back to them. Well, now let's get back to client experience. If I set the wrong precedent that I am 24 seven for my client, then all of a sudden they're going to take advantage of me of that. And then it's going to affect my relationship. And if my relationship is affected, so is my emotional intelligence. If if that's off, then my client gets a poor experience. And it, it and it's a ripple effect of bad things. Now, if my family is in order and I feel good, I feel loved, my life, my wife feels loved, and we're very clear and working on our communication, you know, and just saying like, if I can grow business, I can grow my relationship, then those need to be a priority. Everything's going to be a lot better, but it's actually just making that time, you know, as corny as it may be, like I live my life by a calendar. Me and my wife share a calendar. And it's like, if we're going to watch a movie, we're going to put it on the calendar so that we're both going to show up for that. If we don't put it on the calendar, it's not real. It's easy to say, I will get to it later. No big deal. Absolutely. You hit on my favorite things that Caleb and Eric know that like systems and processes is like my favorite thing in life and setting expectations. It opens up just time. You know, like when you put a system or a process in place, all you're doing for your business is you're creating more opportunity for creativity, but you're also creating more opportunity for connection with your family, with anyone. That's why the relationship piece is so important to me. If there's like the land of love languages, quality time is like my favorite thing. Like what we're doing right now, I'm an introvert, but when I connect with people in deep conversation, it boosts my energy level. I'm very in tune with that. So when I'm feeling down, maybe I need to talk to someone that I can have a deep conversation with. Even in marriage, one of the biggest challenges is realizing that me and my wife used to call each other best friends. And as you get married, love changes. You know, like with the wedding business, like the whole reason I do that is not because I love shooting weddings, but I'm inspired by love. And I know love is hard work. I don't like the lovey-dovey stuff of, oh, this relationship's perfect. I like to dig into like, what, why are we celebrating this love story? So like with me and my wife, I realize, you know, I'm hearing all these couples talk about these things. And I'm like, maybe we've gotten a little complacent in our marriage. Like after we had our son, like things change, like that love changes. When we first met each other, we're high school sweethearts. We've been together for 13 years. Over the course of 13 years, you're not holding hands and being super lovey-dovey, but you still set goals together. And it's my job as a husband to ask her, you know, to pry in and have intentional conversations with her of like, how are you feeling just emotionally? Like, what are some of your challenges in work? Not just the everyday complaints of like, how was your day, honey? But like, how are you feeling right now? How's the last month been? And like something that's been, we're on like a relationship kick. I love it. I love it. love it. (laughs) But you know, like what's been valuable for us is just having like gratitude practices with one another of like, Mm. you know, not only just saying like, here's everything I'm grateful for and being specific about it, but then opening the dialogue of like, is there anything that maybe I haven't highlighted? that, you know, like you feel like I'm just taking for granted. And that opens up a conversation for us to get a little bit deeper and to connect a little bit better. And I think as filmmakers, 
we also have this crazy drive to do, 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 do. And don't get me wrong, I'm a chronic overworker and like we're always chasing that next high. The thing that I've learned is I need to embrace like a middle ground. And if I can be in the middle ground, that's honestly the better place. Because if I'm up there on that 10, I know I'm going to crash down to that one on my emotional energy. If I can just live at like the base four to six level and just level things off, I'm more consistent. And that consistency is a lot more valuable than just like, oh, one day a month, I'm going to put a ton of energy into my wife. And then after that, nothing. Guilty as charged, 100%. (laughs) all are. No, I, the attitude of gratitude, um, when you were talking earlier, that's something that crossed my mind um, for all things. And communication uh, in business and in relationships is is key. So I think, you know, you said run a relationship kick, but I think it all translates. It's all interconnected. And I think it's really cool when you're like, is there something I'm taking for granted? Because sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And uh, one, that's a hard thing to admit, once again, in business and in life. So opening up that level of communication, opening up and saying like, what, like, here's what I'm, what I know that I need to be grateful for. Am I missing something, making a conversation, making it open, and then you grow. And, and to me, that's the most important thing, no matter what, it's just growth every day, just trying to be a little bit better. Even if it is something as small as what do I not even know I'm taking for granted today or right now, or in this relationship or this business prospect. Yeah. I mean, even another layer of that, I think is ownership. Ownership goes a long way. in a lot of these things, whether that's in relationship or in business, no one likes to be wrong. No one likes to make mistakes. Like I never want to be wrong, but something that I feel has made us like bulletproof or invincible is a mindset that I've always had is like, I've been very open to feedback from any of my team, like whether they're new, whether they've been with me from day one, Like I've always encouraged feedback and even argument. And I think people get kind of turned off by that word argument, but argument can be as simple as just a productive conversation to move things forward. It's not about me having the best idea or even my director having the best idea, but it's about us finding the best idea for the solution we need right now, whether that's on set, whether that's in a relationship. And it's hard to be open to feedback in the time. And sometimes I haven't been super receptive to it. But I'm constantly trying to look back and like really reflect on like what went really good, what went really bad, what was okay, and then kind of coming back to those people and having that ownership to say, listen, I didn't react to this very well. Maybe we could have done this a little bit better. Maybe this could have been a better result, like whether that's with client, whether that's with my team. And I think that's, you know, create a lot of trust with people. It's like when someone can kind of admit they're wrong, I think it just shows that we're human, that we make mistakes. Not everyone grabs onto that. You know, some people are like, Oh, I caught you and you're being wrong. Now you're a crappy person. So I have something to hold against you. Um, some people take that for advantage, but for me, that's, that's allowed me to constantly improve in anything. Yeah. Plus a, a form of trust earlier this week, we were recording another podcast with someone like the rental part of the, the industry. And they were saying that like when customers come in, their goal is to be an open book resource. So they were saying like, if we don't know an answer, we don't make something up or we say, let's find out together. And uh, to me, that shows a form of humility that I think is imperative in leadership because humility, I think is like one of the cornerstones to respect. I agree so much with that. Yeah. And it's a, it's a habit that like what you said, like it can't just, you can't just work on it one month and then let it go. It's like, you got to live in that four to six zone. constantly. (laughs) Cause like for me, especially having kids, like, man, when I first had a kid, it was like, I was in the height of growth mode and business. And it just was like, what, how do I manage this? It seemed like two conflicting things, you know, like two stones hitting each other. 
it wasn't, it wasn't going together. But then what I had to learn was like, no, actually everything I'm giving into my family is actually translating directly into my business and vice versa. It's like that same skill of humility, just because I'm really, I can be humble at work. It doesn't mean I'm humble at home or vice versa. Like just because I'm humble in one area, it doesn't mean I'm humble in another area. But the more humility I can have at home, the more humility I'm going to have at work or vice versa. Because if I'm trying to be humble at work or I'm really good at that, but then I'm just like, screw it, I'm not even going to try at home. Then those negative habits and negative actions just start to translate and grow negatively into other areas. Yeah, I mean, on the on the fatherhood piece there, you know, like... I felt, you know, I was so worried when we had our son because I felt like we were growing, growing, growing. And I knew I was going to have to take a break. And honestly, like it, it forced me to grow in different ways that I didn't realize. And it was, um, I've always been good with time. I've been a good time manager. Uh, I've always been this person of habit and routine. And if I can do that, I can create more just like automation so that I can be more present for high level thinking. Uh, well, when I had my son, I realized like, man, like I need to do small things, like just have my house clean, like take the time to just like micromanage, like small things that contribute to my emotion. But Mm. the funniest part about becoming a father was, you know, in this chase to like, oh, we're on growth, we're on growth, we're on growth. What happened was when you're chasing business, when you're really going hard, at least for me, was I was neglecting my own health. I was neglecting my own emotions. I was neglecting just the way I felt. And what I realized was I was like, I need to make a big change. And it started with diet, which was like a a big deal thing. Cause I was like, one, like he, my son is my driver for like, I want to be active with him when he gets older. Like I want him to see good eating routines and I need to be an example. And I I think my wife um, is very independent. She's very like, she's a strong woman and she tends to be you know, like we share leadership roles a lot, but I think, you know, before that she shared like 70% of leadership at home. And it's so weird on set and in business, you know, I'm so much the leader and I felt undermined in so much of like the relationship. And I realized mm-hmm. instead of complaining about the leadership, I need to actually lead by example. So having our son, I'm like, okay, here's some changes I'm seeing in myself. And by leading by example, it caused her to make some, some changes, not of like, babe, I think you need to change something and point the finger, but more so like we need to make changes together. And then her kind of seeing that value of like, you got to lead by example. But the biggest thing with the whole diet thing was like, once I did that, it started causing all these ripple effects in our relationship that were positive and business that were positive. And I realized that chasing business so hard, I actually was like making myself like hate business and hate myself. And it wasn't until I started like doing something selfish doing something for myself that I was like, Oh, now I start to love myself a little bit. And when I love myself, everything starts to change. Everything starts to feel better. And I feel like since 2017, when we had my son, I feel like I'm playing the happiness game more than the business owner game or anything like that. It's just, how can I be happy when business is going good, when relationships are good, when I feel like uh, I'm giving and receiving from, you know, people, clients, whoever. If your well is empty, there's, you have nothing left to give. And if you keep trying to force it, then all you're doing is digging into your soul. And then that, that'll eat away at you. So, yeah, I think you nailed it. the happiness game. Like a balance is achievable. Like you can have a healthy home life and a healthy business and 
just like you said, man, creatives, like we're so driven, like we got to get there. We got to get there, you know? And it's like, I think part of it stems from, especially if you're in a creative field, there's a lot of doubt that's thrown at you early and often for pursuing mm-hmm. a creative profession. I think for most creatives, that's the first hurdle you have to overcome is all the doubt, other people's doubts that they put on your back. And so when you can find that way to just release that and be like, you know what? It doesn't really matter what you or anyone else thinks. I'm just going to do it my way and I'll find my way for better, or for worse. And you provide that form of love to yourself, however it manifests, whether it be in diet or uh, in the personal sense, or I'm going to work on this passion project or whatever in the, in the business and creative sense, like however you find that way, you have to do that. You have to fill your own well before you can give to anyone else. So you have to be a little bit selfish. I guess that's what I'm saying. You have to be a little bit selfish. And it's not selfish to be selfish. It's actually, if you're a little bit selfish, at the end of the day, you end up being selfless because once you have something to give, any decent person is willing to give it. You can't give what you don't have. Yes. Mm -hmm. That was a hard lesson for me as a leader. Like... I'd give all day to everybody, anybody, but then you just get depleted and then you hate everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, then it just, that's just all sorts of no good. <laughs> I've got a last question and then we'll wrap it up. And typically it's, it's what advice do you give to a filmmaker? But I'm going to be selfish here because I think, man, I'm feeling like there's a lot of similarities of things that you and I have gone through. And I'm feeling like your story, your story is resonating with me a whole heck of a lot. And I know I've learned in my experience that if something's resonating with me, I'm not the only one. What advice would you give to filmmakers who are very driven, ambitious, who are on the pursuit of achievement, but also have a personal life that they want to keep in balance? You know, what's something, a a tactical tip, you know, what's something they could focus on or take away from this podcast and, and start creating a new habit to create more balance or, or more things that land them in the four to six zone? I think, I think so much of it is getting in tune with yourself, just knowing who you are. You know, like I said, I could, I could prescribe 10,000 different things. So like, do this, do that, do that. I think the biggest benefit for me I, that I think was a switch was just being present, really understanding what that word means, not just saying like, oh, I'm present, but like what's happening? If your significant other, if, if your mother, your father, if your best friend is talking to you about something, listen to them, hear them, put the phone down, put the distractions down, turn a show off, be present, be aware, listen to them. Because, you know, as creatives, we solve problems. I think it's hard to be vulnerable for any of us, even for my wife and I, you know, like if I open up and I say something really deep to her and she doesn't listen to me, suddenly I'm not going to want to open up more and more and more. That's going to create more of a divide. And it's going to take one party or the other to kind of start to bridge that gap back. And it's really easy to sit and be like, oh, well, they're not putting in the effort, so I'm not going to put in the effort. Then it just creates more and more of that divide. So by being present, by making some actions, by making some steps forward, I think that's going to make a big improvement in really all facets of life, not just in the relationship side of things with the significant other, but in business. If you're listening to your clients' problems that way, you know, I always say like, you're not hiring me for a video. You're hiring me to solve a problem. Like you're not paying me for hours. You're paying me to produce a project and get it across the finish line. It doesn't matter if it takes me an hour, four weeks. It's, it's as long as it gets completed and you're satisfied with the end product. And I guess the only thing I'll add upon this is a thing that I've always built off of is this, this idea of learn to learn. And 
I think as filmmakers, when we're starting, or for me, uh, when I was starting out, I, I dug into a ton of things on specs, on cameras, and like read blogs and articles and things like that. And I was really excited about tech. And after I felt like I kind of touched the surface of everything I wanted, I went through a period of just like not really ingesting any kind of content and not being open to learning new ideas. And it was when I started digging into like, just like different podcasts and like really looking at films a different way and like watching documentaries. And then that opened me up to reading more books and learning to learn in my relationships with people a little bit better too, of like any opportunity is really an opportunity to learn a new perspective, to hear a new perspective. I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to adapt it, but it keeps my mind a little bit more healthy and sharp. Emotional intelligence is... That's a whole conversation, especially the dad part, but that's a great takeaway. Like just listen and be empathetic. Josh, a lot of great stuff on the podcast today. I mean, balance the books of life, attitude of gratitude, communication is key. Humility is a cornerstone of leadership. I mean, we covered a lot of good ground today. Um, how can people follow you? How can people follow what, what you're up to in, in, your, in your businesses? Best place is just to kind of interact with me personally. I kind of bleed all my brands, like just through my personal channel on Instagram. Um, and that is J-M-E-M-E-R-I-C-K, J-M Emmerich. I love talking in the DMs and this type of stuff I post, I tend to try to push away from just posting polished things. But I try to give people an insight, whether that be technical or whether that be the story of the production. Instagram, good place. Well, for all you listeners out there, if you have not already, please check out our Facebook group. Just search the video community or Instagram at the same handle. Stay safe out there. We love you all. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Ambitious Filmmaker. Have something you want us to talk about? Interested in chatting with like-minded filmmakers? Join the conversation over at our free Facebook group and subscribe to our Instagram. Just search the video community. We'll see you next time. And remember... Always be creating.